Hawthorns. Welcome. My name's Jeremy McCandless, and welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Normally, we think as parents, we teach our children, don't we? Now, that is true, but I also believe as parents, it also applies the other way around. Sometimes children teach us parents something that we need to know. Well, did you know that Jesus gave us some lessons about what a child should actually teach us? And that's what I want to look up in today's episode. It's about a time when Jesus talked about children and the lessons that they can teach us. So today we're going to look at Luke chapter 18, just three short verses today in Luke chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. So welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast, where today's question is, what can children teach us? Okay, friends, welcome. I'm going to dive straight in and pick up the text exactly where we left off yesterday. In fact, as we get towards the end, I'll I think I'll demonstrate how I think this passage is directly linked to that which went before. But today, just three short verses, Luke chapter 18, verses 15 to 17, which tell us this. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now this is a very short, straightforward, simple little episode in the life of Jesus, and what's going on on the surface appears relatively straightforward. Parents bring their babies or their infants to Jesus and we see the disciples actually rebuking those parents and then Jesus in turn rebukes the disciples for rebuking the parents. And what I want to do is walk through this short passage but we need to go through it carefully because I think there are some really interesting insights contained within just these few verses. So it opens by saying, well, in this translation from Luke, it says they also brought babies to him. Now, it's important to note of, to make note of the fact that this incident is also recorded in Matthew and Mark for us. What it says in Mark and in Matthew is that they bring children to him. Now, one commentator I read suggests that the word actually is a word that could be used of anything from a newborn baby up to about a child of eight years old. So I don't think there's necessarily a conflict between the two different translations, between that of Matthew and Mark and Luke. So I think a useful modern term in in using to describe the sort of the age group of these children is perhaps the term that we use today called infant. I think that's a sort of suitable compromise, if you like, that covers all eventualities. But what intrigues me here is that Luke says that he's brought these young children infants to him so that he might touch them in other words that he might lay hands on them now it was customary at that time for parents to bring their small children to the local rabbi for him to bless them and when he did he would usually do that by laying hands on them so it seems likely to me that's what's been talked about here 
Now, for a moment, if we turn back to Matthew's account, in Matthew chapter 19, he records the same story. There's exactly the same incident that we're reading about here, I believe, in Luke 18, but there's a very slight difference. It says, Then little children, plural, the word means plural, not one, were brought to him that he might put his hands on them, and Matthew adds the additional phrase, and pray. So I suspect that that's what's going on here. And if we return back to Luke, in the knowledge that we're familiar that this was a fact of what was known, that local rabbis would lay hands on children if they were brought to them by the parents and bless them. And that blessing would take the form of a prayer. But I would like to suggest that all of us in our everyday lives, we actually ought to be doing this sort of thing. If you don't even have children yourself and if you're not married, you still need to bless and pray for other children. In fact, I would go so far to say as if you want to be Christ-like, then part of being Christ-like is in fact praying for children. It doesn't have to be a long, elaborate exercise. Sometimes it can just be seeing a situation and saying, Lord, I pray that this child may grow up to have victory over this situation and to grow up more importantly to know you and to walk with you. Sometimes a little prayer in your heart as simple as that is all you need to do but you do need to pray for children. Now on several occasions before this there have been examples where the disciples have tried to shoo people away from Jesus and that's what we see happening here. But if we look back at other events, one I could could point out to you is in Matthew chapter 14. Well, let me read to you verses 14 and 15. It says this, different situation, but same response from the disciples. And when Jesus went out and saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them and healed the sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is late. Send the multitudes away that they may go to the villages and buy themselves food. So instead of continuing to bring people to Jesus, the disciples reached a point where they were trying to get the people away from Jesus. If we flip over just a a page further on in the next chapter of Matthew, chapter 15, we find a woman who's trying to get to Jesus. And let's see how the disciples react this time. Luke 15, 21 to 23. Leaving that place, it says Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. So, Regardless of what Christ taught, the disciples seem to reach a point where they get to a point where they actually seem to be doing the exact opposite of what Jesus says in bringing people to him. They're shooing people away from Christ. So I think it's a pattern here. So what's going on? Now, there are a number of possible reasons that we could doing this. And I think, to be fair, we could say in their own minds, they probably thought they were just trying to protect Jesus. They felt that these were unwarranted intrusions into his privacy or that these women were this woman on this occasion was problematic in her personality and they thought maybe perhaps that Jesus had also a bigger picture other things that were more important to do and they thought that these people perhaps were a waste of time they thought Jesus also would have been tired and had been busy all day so on this occasion they didn't want Jesus 
to come under the influence and have these people in his face, so to speak. And I think on this occasion, in Luke's story with the children, that's what's going on here. They didn't want these parents to come to Jesus with his children continually asking for his blessing upon them. Now, I don't think the disciples were doing this to be cruel. I think they thought, in a sense, that they were being kind. They didn't want their Lord to be bothered. I sort of feel there's a sense here of it's a little like a mother when dad comes home from work will sometimes say to the kids, don't bother your dad, he's tired. Let him just rest, have a nap, watch TV. And I think that's kind of the sort of idea that's going on here. But Jesus' response, if we're back in Luke 18, he says, no, let the children come to me. Don't forbid them. Forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. And he then goes on to say, you've got to be like a child in order to get into heaven. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but I want to camp on this situation just for a little longer and point out the fact that Jesus says, no, bring the children. And I think underpinning this fact is the fact that Jesus recognized that children need the Lord. So just as a little segue as a minute, so let's just take a minute to think about that. Now, we know everybody needs the Lord, right? But children, what is, I believe is demonstrated here is the fact that children, yes, they need prayer. Yes, they need us to bless them. But also, they need the Lord themselves in their own way. So what I want to talk for just a moment is a little segue about leading children to Christ. And this has not just to do with children, but to do with adults and those who are parents of children. The reason I want to do this is because maybe it's been your experience of a child coming to know the Lord and then maybe not appearing to later on. Well, the first thing I would like to say that I firmly believe that children can be saved. At what age can they be saved? Well, I get asked that occasionally from time to time, and the bottom line answer is, I don't know. I've talked to people who were missionaries who are sure they were saved, some as five years old. I have one friend who firmly believed he was saved and knew the Lord from the age of three, and his life was a consistent testimony of knowing and serving the Lord from the youngest age as a child, from those who knew him, right up until the point at which he was called home to be with the Lord and died age maybe 80. Now, I think in his situation, I have a sense that it probably was true, but I think as young as that is extremely rare. So I'm not sure you can say at what age a child can come to know the Lord, but you certainly can come to know the Lord as a child. But let me also say, I think there are people who trust the Lord when they're children and never have any doubt about it for the rest of their life. In fact, I sort of put myself in that camp, actually. I never doubted that the Lord existed, that the Lord was real, that, and that the Lord had died for my sin. And I never doubted the decision that I made when I was around eight years of age. Was I always obedient? Certainly not. Was I always walking in fellowship with him? Certainly, absolutely not in my late teens and early 20s. But was I saved? I believe yes, and I believe I was saved at about the age of eight. Now, I think it's common 
a common situation that arises that when children make a profession of faith, it's very likely that they can later begin to doubt that that was saved. I never doubted, even during my times of rebellion, that the Lord had saved me. I just willfully was not prepared to make the sacrifices of living a life of obedience and close fellowship with him. Do you want to dig deeper in your study of Reformed theology? The All of Life for God podcast presented by Reformation Heritage Books offers you weekly sermons, audiobook chapters, and interviews that will help strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ. So what are you waiting for? Just search All of Life for God wherever you get your podcast and start listening today. Presented by Reformation Heritage Books. But I do want to speak for a moment about what a parent should do when a child who as a young child or even an infant made a profession of faith and then perhaps as a teenager usually begins to doubt. Now, I think that this becomes a problem, especially if you're a parent, is you know that your child came to know the Lord and accept Christ as a young age, say, let's just as an example, as a seven years of old. But then as a teenager, they start saying, well, I don't really sure what I believe about this. I'm wondering if I'm saved at all. And here's where I think a problem response can drop in. The parents will often say, oh, but don't you remember? Do you not remember this pray you prayed when you were seven? Well, there's a likelihood in reality that the kid doesn't remember. And thankfully, our salvation doesn't, doesn't depend on our ability to remember the point at which we were saved. Some of us may lose that as we enter the final years of our life. So the issue is not if the child is struggling to remember what happened all those years ago when they were saved. I think the problem is where your response to it is to try and get the child to remember something that they can't remember, and perhaps that will lead to them struggling. So instead of pointing out to this kid who's perhaps, say, today, age 13, 14, or 15, about some previous conversation that you had with them or previous prayer that you prayed with them, rather simply clarify the issue that they need to trust Christ today. And that's true of all of us, isn't it? We need to trust Christ today. So what's as important is that today they understand the gospel, today they understand their need of trusting in Christ. That's what matters, and they, that, they know that in the present tense that they can still trust in him today. So what's as important is that they understand the gospel today, understand they still the need of them to still trust in Christ, and what matters is that they're doing that today. So the point is, don't try and get them, force them to remember something that they said previously. Just simply go over the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them again, and impress them their need to be saved, just as you would anybody else. So I think this passage is teaching us that children can be saved, I do believe that. Jesus clearly said that when he said, forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. So that openness of that phrase allows for the fact that these children can enter the kingdom of God, forbid them not. And then he goes on to explain in the next verse that I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom as this little child will be no means enter it. So children can receive the kingdom of God, which means children can be saved.
So here's my point. It's a three-point message about this passage in terms of a relationship with children. Children need to be blessed. Children need to be prayed for. But ultimately, children need the Lord, just like everybody else. But here's the thing. Character-wise, children are trusting by nature, aren't they? They're trusting little people, aren't they? So Jesus here says that what we can learn from these is the characteristics of a child is the thing that can teach us as adults a great spiritual truth. And that spiritual truth is simply this, you need to trust the Lord to enter the kingdom of God. Remember, just yesterday we looked at the story of the two men who went up to the temple to pray. I don't know if you remember the episode of the Pharisee and the, the tax collector. And I don't think it's a coincidence that these two episodes are placed in juxtaposition back to back with each other. They're there standing as a contrast where he said, don't be a Pharisee, be like a child. And you may remember Jesus summarized that passage yesterday where he said that man went to the house justified rather than the other saying for everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled and he who humbles himself shall be exalted so the two stories i believe are connected and the connection is you shouldn't be like a pharisee trusting in yourself full of pride looking down your nose at other people you should be childlike have a position of humility more like the tax collectors more like being an infant a young child in a sense of being humble submissive and ultimately trusting in their parents Luke deliberately chose this word, which is I've called infant. It's referring to a child, even a baby, at the stage of their life where they're dependent on their parents, particularly on their mother, of course. And he's saying in order to enter the kingdom of God, we must not trust in ourselves. We must be dependent on the Lord in the way that a child is dependent on their mother. And I think that's the big point of the message, and it's meant to embed what was taught in the parable previously. So it's not just what we teach children and what we can offer children in terms of blessing, care, comfort, and an introduction to how to live a godly life and an introduction to the Lord. But we need to allow the children to teach us back that lesson of dependence and humility. The spiritual truth here for us as adults is that we need to trust God just like a child trusts its mother. And in order to enter the kingdom of God, we need to have that sort of childlike faith and trust. That's the big point here, I believe, friends. Okay, I'd like to conclude by making a couple of simple observations. Number one, clearly, be childlike and simply trust the Lord in humility for your salvation. Now, maybe you as an adult are listening to this and know that you at one time made a decision as a child and now maybe even have some doubts about that. And I think the solution for you is here in this passage as it just says, well, all of that is of insignificance. All that really matters is, are you trusting in the Lord today? Whether you got saved as a child then or later, it doesn't affect your situation before the Lord. The important thing is you need to understand that you need to trust in the Lord today. Children show us the way, that's true, in the fact that they are 
utterly dependent. If you think of a baby as a really young child, and that's the phrase that was used in the opening section here, think of a baby, the openness and completeness of their trust in their parents is something that is, is amazing to witness and something that teaches us if we believe that we're meant to trust like babies. Let me remind you of the passage where Peter says that as Christians we're meant to be as newborn babies and desire the sincere milk of the word. So children, they teach us to trust, but they also teach us that we should be dependent. So in a sense, they teach us that they should, we should thirst after that which our parent can give us. Have you ever seen a baby that's hungry? They're pretty adamant, aren't they? They're pretty much is that cry out is, feed me, feed me. I want food and I want it now. And <laughs> someone say, I'm going to let everybody know it until I get it. And Peter's illustration of what babies want and need is also a lesson, he says, that ought to teach us that we too, as adults, are meant to have that same type of thirst for the milk, the sustenance of God's word. So every time you see a baby, from now on, what I hope happens is you think that's the spiritual truth that Jesus used as an illustration to teach us as Christian believers something. And I think there are two parts of it. First, we've got to be like a baby, a young child, an infant, and be in total trust and in dependence upon the Lord. And also, we should thirst for the food of the Word of God. And the final point I like to make is babies keep trusting their parents for everything all of their infant life. And I submit to you that after we trust in the Lord, after we're called into his kingdom, that we too need to trust the Lord for everything that follows on in our lives also. Just like a little baby is totally dependent upon their parents for everything, so we too need to be totally dependent on God himself for everything. A child's whole existence is founded, in a sense, on faith, which is why I think Jesus chose to use him as an illustration here. When we were young, when we were infants, we never had any doubt about where the next meal was coming from, did it? We just turned up at the table and it was there. We never, certainly never worried about whether we would have clothes to wear tomorrow. When we got even a little older, we would go to school and we were always certain that when we came home from school, the house would be there and our parents would be there. All things would be ready for us and for our comfort. I trust that was the story for most of us listening to that today. And if it wasn't, I pray that the Lord has enabled and empowered you to get over the disadvantage of not having that type of a parent. And when we got a little older still, perhaps we went on a journey with our parents. Did we ever doubt that the fare would be paid? Did we never doubt that our parents would get us to where we were meant to be safely? In other words, the child's trust in a parent remains absolute. And so should ours, friends, be our trust in our Father in heaven. And that is why I believe Jesus chose children here to illustrate this point. And that's why I believe that children can in fact be great teachers for us also. Thanks for being with me here today.
Okay, I'll leave it there, friends. And I do hope you find that helpful and enjoyable. If you're here for the first time, why not click on the subscribe button? And that way you'll get a notification every time a new episode is uploaded. And if you are enjoying it, why not consider liking it or sharing it on those areas of social media that you kind of exist on on the great big internet out there. Can I remind you that there are lots of ways to connect to this ministry and receive the additional resources I put there. If you're not seeing them on your podcast provider, then why not visit us on the Bible Project at buzzsprout.com. Every episode will have an episode notes page as well as a full transcript. I'm currently uploading them myself. I believe from the 1st of April, these will be auto-generated by Apple if you're getting your podcast then and the other podcast providers are also likely following suit. But I'll keep uploading transcripts till then. And if you'd like to partner with this ministry and have access to all the additional videos, audio teaching that I do, regularly make posts on the Patreon community of bonus episodes that don't sort of sit within the main ministry that I do here in the Bible Project Daily Podcast, you're welcome to go over there and sign up for Patreon. You don't initially even have to make a contribution, but obviously it is those people on Patreon that enable this ministry to be free and freely available all over the world in the way it is. So I'm thankful to them for that. So with that all said, I'll say bye for now, and I do trust I'll see you back here again tomorrow on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.